All right, good evening. Man, I love baptisms. It is such a celebration to watch. Steph and I were watching this romantic comedy the other night, and one of the lovers in it gets sick, and so the other one shows up with chicken noodle soup. It's this heartwarming moment, like, oh, you thought of me. And what I was noticing is what a cute sick person this this person was in the movie. And, I, and then I started thinking, you know, all romantic comedies are like that. Like, whenever someone's sick, they're, they're so cute. They have a little red nose, and they're in nice pajamas, and they're just kind of like yeah, a little tired and soft-spoken. I want to tell you, I am not a cute, sick person. Like, I'm so ugly when I'm sick, and I'm so, like, loud and not fun to be around. I don't know about you, but I am not a great sick person. And I was flying back from Phoenix yesterday, and I was, I was thinking about my absolute worst moment on an airplane. And so here's what happens. I'm, I'm boarding the plane, and I'm feeling, I'm feeling anxious. I, I'm feeling kind of weird. And so I sit down in my seat. I'm the, I'm the first in my row to sit down. I'm thinking, oh, great. Maybe I'll have this row to myself. But I, I, I'm, I'm dealing with some anxiety. So I immediately pull out my book, and I, I start reading it. And, and um then some people came and sat down, and I'll tell you about that in a second. And, but anyway, we take off, and I've, I'm trying to just bury myself in this book. The problem is it's in the book in the moment when the person's having like a heart attack. And so this isn't helping me at all, and so I'm feeling myself more anxious, and, and things start getting black all around me, my vision, and all of a sudden I'm realizing I'm about to pass out. And so I turn immediately to the total strangers beside me, and I say, I'm so sorry. I'm about to lose my conscience and, and, or consciousness. Um, and, and, and the woman, the woman, one look at me and she goes, quick, grab this. She pulls out the sanitary bag and hands it to me. And in that moment, I'm thinking, I don't need that. I'm about to pass out. And then it came. Like, I read she, and, um, and not like a sweet sound. Like, the whole plane is hearing me. And she has to hand me a second bag then from my, and, and I would have been so embarrassed if I didn't think I was dying in that moment. And so I finally, like, gained my composure. I felt a lot better. That's the wonderful thing about doing that. I felt a lot better, and I look over and like everyone around me is is giving me these evil eyes. I mean, just disdain, shunning me. And I look to my neighbors, like that are stuck beside. I'm on the aisle. They're stuck. And I go, I'm so sorry. And the guy next to me goes, It's all right, brother. We all have hard times. And the woman next to me is going, she's going, honey, are you okay? Sweetheart. She went, this is mother hen spirit. And, and, and she goes, and, and then she's like, I'm so sorry. I'm shining all over you. I don't even know what that means. But she's like, I just, my, my heart just felt like your mother. And I'm looking at them and I go, thank you so much. You guys, are you guys like my angels? And, and here's what I hate to admit. I hate to admit that just a few minutes earlier, I was sitting in the row by myself, hoping that I'd have the row all to myself. The plane wasn't completely packed. And in walks this woman 
so loud. I mean, she's just coming down the aisle. She's so loud, and, and she's a little bigger. And so I'm thinking, like, I'm not going to have my seat to myself. And I'm like, please don't sit by me. And she looks at me, and she goes, sorry, you got me. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, it's okay. It's okay. And so she moves to the window seat, and I'm like, okay, thank you, Lord. You're kind of good. And um, you're kind of being good to me. Then the planes, like, they're about to shut the doors. I'm like, whew, at least I have one seat. Because remember, I was feeling bad already. And I'm thinking, at least I have this empty seat. And then this guy kind of stumbles on the plane. And he's on a cell phone, and he's cursing like a sailor. And he's, he's, he's kind of gangster looking, and he's saying, he's saying, yeah, man, I got arrested last night for a DUI, and yeah, man, it was horrible, and then, yeah, you got to pay me out. And, and, and I mean, he's cursing, he's talking about being arrested last night and just getting out of jail, and I'm like, no, 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 like certainly not. And voomp, sits down next to me. And that's how we took off a plane. Can I just tell you that I was so wrong and I was so thankful that those two people were sitting next to me? Because when you're sick, you are so grateful for people who don't shun you. And you're so grateful for people who extend you love. And I love this scripture in Mark chapter 2. It says, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. This is Jesus speaking. Let's read it in, in context here. Let's jump into our text for this evening. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him. And Levi got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law, the Pharisees, the Pharisees who were sit, uh, saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to him, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. This week, I was shown this painting, very famous painting from the Baroque era uh, uh, by a, an artist named Caravaggio. And he was very famous in this period. During this period, people and artists we're really into drawing scriptural depictions. But this one is different. What I love about this, this is in the 17th century, and I don't know how well you can see it, but, but they're, they're not wearing biblical garb. They're wearing like 17th century. So think about this as a modern painting. And, and, and so, and instead of putting in, in usual Baroque times, they'd put people in a temple or in this beautiful creation setting. Instead, they have these guys in a pub, in a tavern. And so Jesus is coming in, and, it, and what you can tell by Jesus is he's actually the one with the, with the finger pointing, and, and it looks kind of like he has a hat, but that's actually like a 
pinked halo over his head, and the light's just coming from him. Caravaggio was known for this, for this technique called tenebrism, where it's this big juxtaposition between darkness and shadows and then light coming in and illuminating a topic. And so it's shining right on Matthew. And, and so who's Matthew? Uh, most critics believe that it's the guy going, me? With, with his finger. And, and I just love it because so often in our Christian life, we're going, you're calling me? Are you serious? But here's, a, here's a, another interesting thing that, that, that Caravaggio did. He didn't make Matthew look like the stunning, beautiful, pristine specimen of a man. His hair is unkept, and he's, he's losing a little hair. Praise the Lord. And, um, and he's, he's questioning, how could it be me? Because if you look at his right hand, um, let me show you right here. So this is, this is Matthew. I don't know if you can see this. Whoops. Can you see that? That's Matthew. Look at his right hand. It's actually grabbing coins. Like one hand, he's doing what he's known for. Because let me just tell you, Matthew was not a great guy. Matthew, um, it said he was a tax collector. And so you think, oh, nice. He was an IRS agent. Or he was a CPA. No, this you you got to change your thinking. In biblical times, the Romans came in, and they were this oppressive, very violent, very destructive people. And they came in, and they were just murdering Jews. And they stomped out any rebellion, and they took over. And, and so Matthew was a Jew, but he went over to the Roman side because he realized, I can get lots of money if I do that. So he's like a traitor. He's like a Jedi that went to the dark side. He is like Anakin that became Darth Vader. This is Matthew, right? He's selfish. It's all about gain. He's in the tavern with, his, with people. Now, here's, here's what I also love, though. There's a dispute about this painting because some, some people think that, that the bearded guy is not going me, but he's going him and pointing to this guy who's had a few too many and, and looking a little a little uh, wiped out a little can I just tell you I, I love that because I find consistently in our walk of faith we're both asking the question me Lord and then we ask the question him <laughs> and that's what this this story is all about I've been talking the, this past couple weeks that the gospel of Mark is this comparison and contrast between three kingdoms. So let's just draw them out, but let's put a little different slant to it. The first is the kingdom of this world. And we, we talked about this as, is characterized by money, sex, and power. But in this story, who do we see in the kingdom of this world? We see the tax collectors... Tax collectors and the sinners, right? So that is who is in the kingdom of this world. Then what we have is the kingdom of religion. And like I've said before, so many times church people, we think, you know, God's just 
wanting us to do all these works, and, and it's all about self-righteousness, and if I do enough, then I'll feel good about myself, and, and then I'll have some position and be able to look down on everyone. So it's self-righteousness, importance, position. In this story, the kingdom of religion is the teachers of the law and the Pharisees. Teachers of law and Pharisees. But Jesus is going to come in and say, I have a completely different way of living. I have a completely different way of living, and it's called the kingdom of God. And where these guys are opposed to these guys, and these guys hate these guys, Jesus comes in, and the kingdom of God is all about Jesus. And it's all about his love for people. So I'm excited to unpack this text a little more. So check this out. It says, as he walked along, this is Jesus, as he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the text collector's booth. As I'm studying it this week in my Bible, and you'll have this experience as you become a student of the word one word just popped out, and it didn't even make sense to me. Like, why is this word popping out? It was Alpheus, Levi, the son of Alpheus. But having studied the Bible, some I know, okay, when something pops out to you, I need to dive in. I need to study it. So I, I looked at what does Alpheus mean. Alpheus comes from the Hebrew word halop. And, and what does this mean? Listen to this. It's a quick transition or pass from one thing to another. He's the son of a quick transition. He's the son of a quick change. You know, for us that have grown up in church a long time, sometimes we're, we're not used to this. Because people that have been inoculated by church, sometimes they don't really change. But can I tell you that, that God loves to take someone that's completely in the kingdom of this world and in an instant to transform them. You know, it, we think so many, and maybe you're in here tonight and you're like, I, I don't think I could ever be a church person. You know, you don't have the strength to be a church person. That's not what this is all about. It's about the power of the Holy Spirit coming in you and making you new. It's not about you becoming a good person. It's about Jesus starting to live inside your heart and he transforms you. He's responsible to transform you from inside out. Now, I thought that's really cool when I thought about Halop. And then I thought, okay, Levi. That's interesting. He calls Levi. In, in the book of Matthew, he goes by Matthew. In this book, in Mark, it goes by Levi. And I thought, you know, I've never thought about that. I think about the, the calling of Matthew a lot. But Levi, that's interesting. Who's Levi? You know, Levi was the tribe that was set apart to be ministers unto the Lord. He had a prophetic destiny that he was already named. Can I just tell you that, that every person has a prophetic destiny when they came into the earth? Like that God wants to call them into? So I started thinking this week about a few people in our church. Some of you know these different ones. I started thinking about Matt Kirk. Matt's going to lead our, 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 our church plant to Bali, uh, launching out this summer. But I don't know if you know this guy. He looks so happy. He didn't look this way the first time. We met him. Uh, Matt was a gang leader. Like, he actually led a gang. 
Like, pop, pop, gang. God said, look, this gang leader has a gift of leadership. Let's call him into kingdom leadership. And so now he's leading gospel gangsters. Right? He, I, I love seeing the redemptive gifts on people's lives and seeing how Jesus takes it and says, you're using that gift that I gave you for wrong. Let me turn and, and let you be so joyful. Now he's one of the most joyful guys I know. Uh, I was thinking about uh, Jessica. Many of you guys know Jess that, that, that leads worship up here. Um, Jess, before she, she came to know the Lord, like she just loved being in karaoke bars, entertaining people, right? Just bringing them joy and just singing her little heart out. So, duh, she gives her life to Jesus, and now she's worshiping him and bringing him glory, right? She had a gift to bring people joy and happiness through music, and now she's doing it under the Lord. I thought about Christian, Curiel. I, I remember when, when, when Joel first met him, you know, he lived with his family. He cared so much about protecting his little brothers. Um, Christian, now talk about someone who had a name, to, to, right? Christian wasn't a Christian, but Christian became a Christian. <laughs> and, and, and so amazing to watch as this love for family, well, he, he ended up leading his first brother the Lord, led a second brother the Lord. Then he brings his parents into church. They both give their life to Jesus, and he starts raising his parents up to be leaders of the life group with him. And now Christians moved as a missionary to TJ, and now his parents are leading the life group that he started. Come on! Like, so, so what God does is he takes, the, he takes the call, he takes the redemptive gift that he put in us even before we gave our life to Jesus, and he changes this, this quick change of, of Alpheus, the, the son of Alpheus, this Levi, and calls him in to being that. Let me highlight this phrase. He saw Levi, son of Alpheus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Have you heard this phrase before? Preach Jesus always, and when necessary, use words. Have you heard that before? People, people credit it to St. Francis of Assisi. I think, I, I mean, I, I, I think that's a great phrase. And, and the point is, let's live out our faith. But I think, unfortunately, in American Christianity, many of us have taken that so far to be like, well, I'm just going to live out my faith. And then when someone sees how great I am, they're going to come ask it. And then if that happens, then I'll share. Can I just tell you, I, I don't know about you, but I've only had about two people in 22 years of following Jesus, come up to me and be like, what's so different about you? Like two, those, those are highlight stories. But can I tell you that Jesus didn't just wait for people to come to him. It says he saw Levi. Like, do, you, do you see people? We talked about that last week. Do you see the lost? Do you see the broken? Do you let God get a hold of your heart? for the person in the cubicle next to you, for your neighbor down the street, for your family member that's hurting? Like, do you see them? Are, are we seeing people? And then it says this, he was sitting in the tax collector's booth. Why is this so significant? Because he didn't come to Jesus. 
Like a lot of times we just think, well, they'll, they'll, everyone just comes to Jesus. No, Jesus went to a sitting person. Like he had to go. He walked over. He went and initiated with this person. Like do we as Christ followers have this sensitive heart where we go jump into other people's worlds? I bet, I bet Levi, I bet Matthew was so thankful. And so this is what I'm excited about. Here's a great opportunity to do this. This is why I'm so excited about Saturate San Diego. Okay, coming up on April 13th. Here's why I'm excited. This is one of the easiest ways that we can see the loss in our city and just step in to their world. And, and, and here's why I say it's so easy. You're not even going to talk to anyone. Or you don't have to. Like if you're like, I'm so scared of talking to people. This is your first like baby step. Because you're just going to have a package uh, 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 of the Jesus film, which can I just tell you, the Jesus film has brought more people to the Lord than any other medium in history, well, besides the Bible. Um, and, and an invitation to church, and an invitation to one of our five Easter services. Can I, and, and, and you might think, well, is that really work? I can't tell you how many people through the years have gotten an invitation just on their door or in the mail and showed up with an invitation and said, I got one of these. Can I come in? We're like, no. No, of course. We're like, of course. People, people come, and, and I can't tell you how many times people have gotten a Jesus film. Why? Because the gospel is the power of God to salvation. So we're just giving people an opportunity to, to see. And, and you know what? Maybe someone might stop you, and you know what you can do? You don't have to go, hey, I'm a Christian. No. You, you just, hey, how you doing? Yeah, we're just giving these out. Have a great day. Anything we can pray for you for? I love jumping into people's worlds, and this is the easiest way. So please join us. I, I, um, the Bible says this, even a cup of cold water won't lose its reward. Can I just tell you, Jesus is going to reward you. And if you don't see it in this life, you'll see it in heaven. When you take a couple out, we're just going to be out for two hours. We're going to distribute 20,000 different little packets. Can I just tell you, Jesus is going to reward that kind of, that kind of, of work. I'm, I'm so excited about it. Okay, so... He says this, follow me, Jesus told him, follow me. Okay, th this, this is messes with me, that it just says, follow me, and then he gets up. Like, do you ever go, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. You must, like, you left out so much of the story. Because you can't just say, follow me, and a tax collector who's like, Jedi gone bad, greedy, selfish, gets up and becomes disciple. Doesn't make sense. <laughs> that was cute. It makes sense to kids. Yeah. Yeah. So, amen, kid. Um, so, here's two thoughts. Number one is maybe Matthew had seen him. Maybe, maybe Levi, Matthew, I'm using those names interchangeably. Maybe he had seen him before. And so now Jesus approaches him and he goes, yeah, I want to walk with him. Or... Here's my second thought, and I actually think this is more likely. What if when Jesus said, follow me, it wasn't just two words? You know, in some of the old Christian movies, Jesus is so stoic. He like walks around and he's like, follow me, Matthew, right? <laughs> I, I don't think this is what Jesus was like. I think that when Matthew saw Jesus, he saw the kindest face he's ever seen. And he saw the most compassion he'd ever experienced in someone's eyes. 
and he saw the incarnation of love. I have this friend who, his name's Keith, and he carried the cross around the world. Like he's walked 25,000 miles with the cross. And he'll go into cities and he has these amazing stories of leading all these different people to the Lord. And so when I was a college pastor back in Texas, I'd always have him come in and speak to the college students. And then because he, I got to know him, I get to go different places with him. And, and I'll never forget just walking with Keith. And he wouldn't have the cross. He'd just be walking around. He'd just have blue jeans and a normal shirt on. But people, as he walked, and not in the church, like people who hadn't heard him speak, I'd watch them look at his face. I remember getting in an airport and this woman just staring at, the, at his face. And he, he went, hello. <laughs> and and he'd, he'd start talking to people about Jesus. And I finally said, Keith, it's like you don't even need to carry that cross around. Your face is like a witnessing tool. And he goes, yeah. And I said, how is that? He goes, I, I've read these stories about Jesus, like where the, the rich young ruler looked at Jesus and it said Jesus looked at him and loved him. And he goes, or I've thought about blind Bartimaeus being healed by Jesus and the first sight he saw was Jesus' face. So he goes, so I actually would go in front of a mirror and, and I'd close my eyes and I'd pretend I'm Bartimaeus and then I'd open them and pretend like I'm Jesus. And I'd try to have that face and I'd be like, nope, that's not it. And I'd close my eyes. Nope, still not it. He goes, I practiced. And I thought, well, that's really interesting. And I thought, I don't think I could do that. But I, I had this thought, you know, I'm going to start laying hands on my face and asking the Lord to change my face to where it starts looking like the face of Jesus. Like this, this guy was a 50-year-old Arkansan, but he looked like Jesus to me. Like he had no Jew in him. I, I, I'm convinced that, that, that as we behold Jesus, he transforms us to look more and more like him. And I, I want to encourage you to ask the Lord, Lord, let, let people see compassion in my eyes. Let this see kindness in my smile. I love this story from the Revolutionary War of General George Washington leading his troops, and they come to the Potomac River, uh, however you say that, and, and there's a, a homeless vagabond on the side of the river, and he looks up at General George Washington. There are hundreds of troops, and he says, will you take me across? And General Washington reaches down his arm, pulls this guy onto his horse, and they cross this raging river. And when he gets to the other side, he lets this man down, and one of Washington's captains comes up indignant to this homeless vagabond man and says, do you understand that you just stopped General George Washington, like the commander-in-chief of the whole armed forces? Like, why him? And he goes, I just stopped the man who already had a yes on his face. He stopped the one whose face already said yes. And I thought, that's what I want in life. What if people saw the compassion of Christ on our faces? I think that's what people are looking for. Follow me. Here's what I also think when I hear this phrase. He doesn't say, become a Christian. He doesn't say, Levi, stop being a sinner, become a Christian. I, I don't know about you, but a lot of times when I hear people that don't know Jesus talking about Christianity, they don't have good things to say. They say hypocrite or they say judgmental. I, I, I learned this more spending time in the Muslim world than any place. Uh, what, I, I was on the streets of Beirut and, and talking to Muslims and I learned like I, 
what they thought of Christians was they thought Baywatch. Like that was the show that was being shown. So they thought like immoral, scantily clad, bikini wearing, and they thought like America is Christian and so it's violence. So what they thought was all the stuff from TV and then they thought like we're coming to take over the world. And so I realized, oh, that's not what I can be known of. So we, we started talking about following Jesus. I, I, I find that a lot of people aren't excited about becoming a Christian but when you talk about Jesus and his love and his kindness and his compassion, how he draws people near, I find that he's almost irresistible. Follow me. He doesn't say, hey, people in this world, come into the kingdom of religion. You know, a lot of people aren't interested in that. He says, I love you. Follow me. Let me... Look at this. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples. Here's my question. How many Christians do you know that tons of unbelievers, tons of sinners, partiers, crazy in the world people like to gather around? Like I love John 15, 1. It's one of my favorite verses. It says all the tax collectors and sinners were gathered around to hear what Jesus had to say. Like how many Christians do you know that the that, uh, unbelievers and the sinners just flock around. Do you, do you know many? Like this, is, this is one of my prayers, that I'd become one of these people. And, and, and some churches, like some pastors were like, so I'm going to just act like so cool. Like I'm, I mean, pastors start like cursing. I'm just going to cuss so people can relate to me. I've heard a pastor smoking on stage. To, I don't think that's what Jesus was doing. Right, like if I'm just worldly enough that people can relate to me. No, there has never been a more Christian person than Christ. There's never been a more holy person than Jesus. It's not about being so worldly. It's about love. Like you don't have to be cool to draw people to Jesus. You praise God. You don't have to be. You don't have to be like totally like them. World, no, what people need in their moment is love. And he says, follow me. For there were many who followed him. For there were many who followed him. This is what I find. If you're a, a, a Christian, a, a Christ follower in this room, sometimes we think of ourselves like dinosaurs, Okay, like what's a dinosaur? A dinosaur is a very unusual thing, right? It's like an animal with no hair but really big, and then they're going extinct. And sometimes I think we, like Christians, we're like, we're weird, right? And we're going extinct. And can I just tell you, that's not the case. Like the, the gospel is exploding around the world. Like so many people are coming to Jesus, and people you'd never think are coming to Jesus, are coming to Jesus. And I've just seen it over and over and over again that, that there are many sinners who want to come to know Jesus. I think about so many of my neighbors through the years that, you know, just blasting their loud music and, and just, just 
cursing and living all kinds of crazy lives and then meeting them and telling them, showing them love. I'll never forget my friend C.B. Bonda, who was just, he'd walk the streets, but he'd have these crazy parties. It kind of drove me crazy because it would be way into the night, and he had a massive family and friends. But I stopped him and talked to him, and one day he said, well, I'm going to get surgery. And I said, well, can I just pray for you? He had some hernias in his stomach, and I just prayed for him, and he felt something. But can I just tell you, he didn't even get healed. But he was thankful that I'd stopped him and prayed for him, and so he invited me to a party. So I end up in this party, okay, and it's, it's like 150 people. I'm looking around. I'm the only white dude in the room. He's Latino. And I said, who of these people are your family? He, he laughs at me because they're all my family. And, and, and CB, I had him over to my house, and, and, and I shared about how Jesus had changed my life, and in one night, CB and all his sons give their lives to Jesus. And then we said, well, can we start meeting in your house? Because Matthew, do you see that? Like Jesus went to Matthew's house. We gotta get in people's house. We can't, as Christians, you can't just hang out with Christians. Like get out of the salt shaker, right? You're the salt of the earth. One of the, one of the, <laughs> one of the, um, the things that we did in junior high, which was a horrible, horrible trick, was we would unscrew the top, right? You remember this trick? And you'd have it, but it looked like it screwed on. And then some sweet person would come to, to pour out a little salt, and what would happen? Pfft, the whole, the whole jar. And you know what that does? It ruins your food. When all the salt is together, it doesn't taste good. Selah. Think about this. So we need to come together when worship and lift up the name of Jesus, but then we don't need to just always stay in our holy huddle. Take a little salt, right? Just a little. And then, boom. Right? Just a little and it makes things so much better. Get out of the salt shaker and salt it up. Let's read this last sentence. On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Well, let me just tell you what happened. Because we started meeting in CB's home and started hanging out in his place, his family members just kept coming. And coming, just like Matthew's house, right? All the tax collectors and sinners. Now, let me tell you, some people, like the Pharisees, the religious people, why are you doing that? I'll never forget talking about this story in the Bible and telling people, like, get out and go in people's homes and hang out. And I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about, you know, do bad things. I'm just talking about get among them. And I'll never forget coming off the stage and this man coming up to me. And I, I was like, oh, he's going to tell me how great a sermon that was. And he goes, haven't you ever heard the phrase that bad character or bad company corrupts good character? He goes, you're going to get Christians out among a, a bunch of bad company, and they're going to get messed up. And I said, oh, man. But not what Jesus told us to do. Like, didn't he tell us to go out? And didn't he? On hearing this, Jesus said to him, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but 
sinners. Back to my plain story. I'll end with this. One of the most powerful lessons I learned that day sitting in that seat next to people that I didn't want sitting next to me was don't be so judgmental. I think most other people would have shunned me. Actually, they were. They were like trying to move away. The stewardess came up to these people. They were like, no, we'll stay here. No problem. She goes, you want free drinks? They're like, yeah. (laughs) They enjoyed free drinks on my behalf the rest of the flight. (laughs) I wasn't too excited about that, but... um, The, the guy, uh, I'll never forget as long as I live, when I, I told him I'm so sorry, and the, the guy looks at me and goes, that's all right, brother. We all have bad times. Here's what I think. I think a lot of times we as Christians, we're like, I can't share the gospel because I'm not good enough. I, people will see how, uh, they'll see me mess up, so I can't share, or I don't have the words to say. And that day on the plane, I was so thankful that I wasn't sitting next to the most polished, the most perfect. In fact, I was sitting next to people with problems so that when I had a problem, they could say, that's all right, brother. We all have hard times. What if we thought less about, am I worthy to share the gospel, or am I perfect enough, or do I have all the words, and we thought more about, no, I'm actually sick. Like, I've been sick. And I'm just telling another sick person how to get healed. In my time of sickness, I was so thankful that someone didn't shun me, but they jumped into my world and took care of me. And I think we're all positioned around these kind of people. It's time to start loving people and jumping into their world. Let's stand up.